Welcome to Spirit School. I'm your mentor, Danielle Serenk, also known as the Squamish Medium. In this podcast, I share honestly all I have learned about the mediumship and spiritual development journey. My intention is to normalize these conversations, to make way for a more confident, clear, and connected wave of lightworkers, serving the world of spirit with an open and joyful soul. Welcome again to Spirit School. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Spirit School. What I wanted to share today as part of the podcast episode is I often feel like, though I love the podcast and I do offer as much as I humanly can through this podcast as far as knowledge goes and experiences that I've had in hopes that you will feel normal on your spiritual development journey and your mediumship development journey, but I often feel that my best work is in my programs, in my one-on-one mentorship calls. There's just something about being in the energy with other people and teaching people live that just brings out like the most wisdom, the most confidence, the most inspiration through me. It's edited because I want to be sure to honor everybody's privacy, but I hope you enjoy this conversation today. We have a lot of people coming in and joining here. I'm just pulling up the question. Let's just pop right in. Let's get started. I don't know if I feel like I have to say this. I'm going to say it because I'm not my membership and I'm not on one of my programs that I typically create a lot of context to you, but I think you guys know me pretty well by now. You're all listeners of the podcast. That's why you're here. Everything that I say is based off of like the experiences that I've had up until this time. And of course, any additional inspirations that the world of spirit gives me, but the answers I give today sound very different than I would have given them years ago and will probably sound very different in a few years. And so one of the things that I have had to do for myself is be really flexible in my belief because the more that I experience spirit and the more that I do this work for the public, the more experience I have, which then my beliefs and my philosophies around certain things tend to expand and grow. So Just to kind of say that, because I think that that's a good lesson for everybody here as well. So I'm just going to go off the question. So the first one, will you offer the initiation in the winter or spring? This is my seventh time running the initiation. So I'll definitely run it again, without a doubt. I usually run it twice a year. It's not necessarily six months and six months. I have toyed with the idea of running it again this year, but I probably will be next year, uh, February onward. So but I will definitely run it again. I've run it seven times. So I love teaching it. I love the experience of it. So yeah, it's a program that will continue to stay. I don't think I'm going to do the calling next year though, my business one, because I will be switching that one up again too. Okay, so tips for meditation, focusing on mediumship when you have racing thoughts. I feel like when I meditate, so many random thoughts come to me, my to-do list, kids stuff, work, money, et cetera. So it's hard to relax. Is this a mom thing or what? Yeah. You know, there's people who have like neurodivergency. There's people who have like really busy minds. There's people who just like to operate in busyness. I'm somebody who does my best work when I'm busy. (laughs) If I only have one or two things to do, I get nothing done. If I have a hundred things to do, it all gets done. I don't know why I'm like that. So just know I see you. I feel you with that. Now, if the desire is to slow down the mind, 
and be able to relax in that presence. What I would recommend is one of the best techniques because it's not about combating the busy mind. It's about redirecting it, right? So it's simply breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. So this is like a tip I've seen many people who teach meditation and talk about like people with ADHD or similar neurodivergencies. That's a really good tip for people to do. So give your mind something to think about that is part of the experience you're having. So whether that's letting the mind talk, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. And then when you find yourself centered, try to enter the silence. And if the to-do list comes in, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. So try that for yourself and just redirect the mind, give it something to do. Because I don't know, I've never experienced it myself, but if somebody's mind shuts off, I'd like to know how they do it, but mine doesn't. So I just give it something to do. The other thing I sometimes like to do in a visual sense, if my mind is busy, is actually just picturing a candle flame because it helps in my clairvoyance too. As I'm breathing in, it goes in. As I exhale, it goes out, goes in, goes out. So just giving your mind something to do. Try that and try to be kind to yourself because I still don't have full confidence that there are people whose brains completely shut off. I don't know if that actually exists or not. I very well can, but not from my experience. Balancing mediumship of parenthood. What do you share and not share with kids? And are they involved in your practice ever? We had a wonderful conversation just on this topic a couple months ago. And I prepared a podcast episode called Making Space for Your Spiritual Practice. But we had a wonderful thread going where a whole bunch of people chimed in and shared about how they keep everything in balance as best as they can with this as well. One of the things that helped me the most, and again, this kind of partners in with that like super busy mind and stuff like that, but it's about where you're at. Don't be in the future or the past, right? It's about being really present. So the fact of the matter is because of my previous responsibilities of commuting and being at my job for, you know, it was about 10 hours a day between all those different activities, I would only get two hours a day with my kids. That was the nature of how it was structured in my life. And so instead of trying to find balance, which I think is an illusion anyways, I don't think we're ever like super fully balanced. I think finally, when we get like the confidence in the mediumship, all of a sudden we have to look at our finances. Finally, when we feel confident in our finances, we have to look at our relationship. I think there's always going to be something that's going to feel a bit out of balance. So balance I don't believe it exists either, right? Perfect balance anyways, we will. But one thing that really helped me energetically and within my mind and within my body was when I was with the kids, I was present with the kids. I didn't think about work. I didn't think about the client. I didn't beat myself up about a session that didn't meet my expectations and I wasn't planning for my next ones. I was with my kids. And so they got the best out of me in those two hours. And sometimes they didn't. Sometimes things would be overwhelmed. Then it felt like I was working all the time because I kept thinking about work. Same when I went to full-time entrepreneurship, because when you are like, this is my living now, you know, I don't get like sick time or bereavement time. That's one of the things about being an entrepreneur as well. It was hard not to think about entrepreneurship all the time and things about my business, my clients and being a boxer and stuff like that. So I had to kind of continuously reshuffle my life to try 
to make sure that wasn't swinging too far in any which way, shape or form. But for my own sanity, it was being as present where I was when I was at work. I was at work and work got my full attention. Kids got my full attention. Hubby, he's the only one that really suffers, <laughs> unfortunately, because <laughs> he doesn't get a whole lot of my attention. So to be honest with you, I don't think he, he wants it either. <laughs> that part about my kids being involved in the practice, they're not involved in mine. They'll pull cards if they want to. If they ever show like genuine interest, of course, I'll teach them what they want to know. My daughter has asked me to show her how to do what I do. So when I'm kind of out and about, I will share little certain things, but that thread will definitely help you because you'll get well, 30 different people's responses to it. And I think that will support you as well. So, okay. So this one was really interesting. I have a very random question that for some reason I can't stop thinking about. If you were doing a mediumship reading for some reason and their loved ones came through and you realized that you had personally known this same loved one when they were here on earth, how would you handle that? So I had almost something similar like happen. Now, I don't dream very much. I've been very open about this. I don't remember my dreams. I can tell when I wake up, I'm having like these frantic nightmares. I have a lot of nightmares. But when it comes to like visitations, I can count how many I've had on my hand in my full life. Okay. And I had a visitation dream two summers ago where this girl that I'd only met twice came to me and visited me in a dream. I didn't like her very much, to be honest with you, for a personal reason. My boyfriend really liked her at the time. Let's just say that. And this was a relationship before my husband. And this woman came into my dream and I knew she had passed sometime before, like eight, nine, 10 years before. And it was such a clear visitation. And I remember saying to her, I'm so sorry I didn't give you a chance. I'm so sorry. I was just apologizing in this dream and she was super sweet. She was super serene and I have it written down. She gave me a couple messages and it was like the clearest visitation I probably had in many, many, many years. Well, later on, I go to do this reading in this session and this woman's sitting in front of me and I can't get this woman out of my head. <laughs> and I was like, you know, going like, is her name, blah, 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 like, da, da, da. and it turns out that she, the spirit who was visiting me, her best friend was sitting in front of me, like literally sitting in front of me. So a little bit different, but kind of the same, you know what I mean? And it was wild. I mean, it was just like any other reading, to be honest with you. But yeah, that's kind of what happened. Nothing super special. Now, I will say, I think it's harder to read for people we know. Like, I think if like, just say, my mom passes or something and then my mom comes through through me I feel like I might doubt it a little bit it might be like wishful thinking not to say that it's not happening but I think it's harder to read for ourselves so my situation was like a little bit different but the same and you would just treat it like any other reading it's a spirit your spirit their spirit and you're all just communicating so I don't see how I would treat it any differently, but this was like really wild for me, to be honest with you. And it was really exciting because it was a beautiful gift. And it was actually one of the very few readings I've, I've cried in. I'm a master of my emotions, maybe too much so, but this was like a really emotional connection for me. And I was gifted such a beautiful experience having her come into my dream before. I will say too, I've had a reading where there was a girl in town who had passed and I was sitting in front of this lady and I was like, I can't get this woman out of my head. I just can't get her out of my head. I was like, do you know her? She just passed like the day before or like two days before. 
And I was like, do you know her? I just can't get her in my mind. And she's like, well, actually, I'm going to go meet her mom after this. And that was kind of cool too, because that was like, again, spirit using like this common denominator. And then the mom ended up coming and getting a couple readings by me over the years because I read for her a few times. I don't want to say, hey, tell her to come see me and pay. I did those readings for free. So I've had a few different situations like that. Hopefully that helps. I try to treat everything the same. I'm trained to open up my awareness and just speak to things that I'm seeing, hearing, feeling, knowing and sensing. And I pass it along and try to be very consistent in that approach to my mediumship. Okay. Looking to challenge myself. I make connections, get relationships, get some personal information, type of death passing for loved one. What else should I be trying to get? That's a lot. Okay. First and foremost, that's a lot. That's a lot of great information. Some of my favorite questions are, what have you seen? So when I've established an evidential connection, I will ask the spirit communicator, what have you seen of their world? And this is spirit's opportunity to bring you more evidence, almost through messages. Like I've seen that you've recently moved. I've seen you recently get a car. John Edwards actually on Sunday did really well at this. And he would be like, are you changing your shower head? And this lady like freaked out and she was like, yeah, I am changing my shower head. So what have you seen? since you've been passed is a great question to ask the world of spirit and it's very endless and then of course memories that's not on your list here but like what memories do you share with this person is another one and then who are you with is another one as well are you with anyone over there and then there's an opportunity to bring through multiple spirits so you can do that as well and one thing too if you're looking for a challenge and this is more advancing mediumship is if you say stick with relationship right? So if you say like, this is mom, go down the three layers. How would you describe their relationship? Is there something significant that happened within that relationship? How did they feel about this person? Like everything that you get, you can take it down a few layers actually. So that's a good way to challenge yourself. Once you get something, don't move on to the next thing. Stick with it and take it down three layers and then move on to the next thing and do those layers. And that will help you get more detailed as well and bring through even more information. So that's a really good way to challenge yourself as well. But yeah, those three questions, it's like, and this is an initiation too for you guys who are joining. What have you seen? What memories do you share? Who are you with? Those are great questions. Sometimes I even like ones, like for me, it was harder to lean into this one. Like, what do you do in the afterlife? Because there wasn't anything super evidential about that, but there actually is sometimes something really evidential with that, to be honest with you. And people will say, well, I'm like, I see him doing this and et cetera, et cetera. And they're like, he loved doing that in his life too. Well, there you go. He continues it on in the afterlife. So yeah. And then it's always a great question to ask yourself, what type of information do you love to get? What type of information and evidence do you love to receive? Right. And then start building based off of that and then see what you can pull out. So there's five or six suggestions for you. Okay, so basically keep eyes open or closed. Now, there's different teachings, different philosophies. Even me, myself, I've gone through ebbs and flows with this myself. This is more a teaching around spiritualism when it comes to mediumship, more than developing outside of spiritualism. So I developed outside of spiritualism, but my first mentor developed in spiritualism, even though she was not a spiritualist. One of the 
things that we strive for, especially in that vein of mediumship development is platform work. And you can't do platform work with your eyes closed, right? You said it in here yourself. You can't, you'll like go walking off the stage and stuff like that. Another reason why it's taught to keep your eyes open goes back to when spiritualism was created, you know, mid 1800s, there was a lot of skepticism, a lot more than we have today around charlatans. And so we wanted mediumship to be like as approachable and practical as possible so that people knew that it was a legit practice, right? And so if you're sitting there like this, it already feels like a bit woo and maybe a bit too woo for other people. And I remember this actually, I was at a psychic fair. It was great. And she's a good friend of mine. I love her to bits, but she was sitting there in the chair like this, like waiting for a client to come. And it made it like really unapproachable. Our mentor had to actually say, hey, can you like keep your eyes open so that you can engage with them so that they feel really comfortable too. It's important to like make connections and stuff and contact with your clients as well. So I trained myself to not close my eyes, but look away. So I actually have intentionally a blank wall behind my computer so that when I need to kind of look away and tune into something, I actually keep my eyes open, but look away. But in saying that, if I feel stuck or if I feel like I don't know where I'm going next, I will take the time to close my eyes and do it. And now my spirit messages, I actually record them with my eyes closed. So there is something about, in my experience right now, like clear channeling with eyes closed. So what's better or worse? I don't know. It's totally up to you how you want to rock it. All I would say that if you are someone who prefers to work with your eyes closed, consider phone readings or at least prepare your clients. You guys know Elaine Thorpe. She does trans mediumship. So she does like her voice changes and everything. Allegedly, some people are still very skeptical of her and about that, but she channels with her eyes closed. So I watch her on YouTube with her eyes closed, but when she does private sittings, she'll actually just say, I'm just going to have my camera off because I have my eyes closed. So there are ways to work with your eyes closed that don't require that like super engagement and just turn off the Zoom and stuff like that too, right? Or turn off the camera. But you get to choose how you work. I'm not here to tell you which way is better or worse. I've tried it all. I was very strictly taught in my first four years to keep your eyes open. So that's like my training. (laughs) But those are the reasons I understand them to be. Do you have any tips or techniques for getting over the fear of the unknown, specifically with the fear of seeing or experiencing something scary? My answer differs a little bit between this. So there's a few things I'd like to say on this, and this might not be what you meant, but I think it's important to talk about. From my experience, everything that we do up in our whole life is scary. First day of school, first day at a new job, interviews, applying for jobs, buying a new house, getting married, breaking up with someone. Like we live our lives walking through fear constantly. So we have a lot of evidence to our life that we have done scary things and have been okay, right? So whenever you want to do something that kind of scares you, remember how much evidence you have in your life that you have done scary things and you have been amazing, right? So keep that in mind. Sometimes you do have to do things scared too, right? And that was some of the best advice I got from Natalie Wallstein, which was just do scared. Didn't even occur to me that you could do it scared, but then I was like, well, I've done a lot of things scared, (laughs) And it's been okay. My voice speaking coach, Danielle, who if you're in the collective, we have a class we did last year. It was amazing on public speaking. And she had a great phrase that said, confidence is on the other side of the thing that you were scared to do. We think that we have to build up confidence to do the same. But in her experience of being a trained actress and vocal coach is 
you actually get the confidence after you do the thing. So there is a lot to be said about doing things, even though you're scared. Be mindful of that, okay? The sign you're assigned shit where you're just like, I'm not leaping till assigning a sign. It comes, it's like, no, you'll know you're ready once you try the thing, right? And you've done so much scared already. Now, when it comes to the fear of seeing or experiencing something scary, I will say that, you know, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I remember my grandma coming to my brother, in particular, not so much me, when we were little ones, and he was like, can't you see her? And I remember hiding under the blankets and being like, grandma, I know you're here, but I don't want to see no ghosts. I don't want to see you. And here I am as a developing medium. I'm always going to be a student, always developing at 40. Clairvoyance is the last ability for me to start fine-tuning and open up to. And I do think it's because all those years that I said, I don't want to see you. I don't want to see you. I don't want to see you. And thinking about that, and I remember reading Sylvia Brown books in high school where she talked about the first time she saw an angel. And she like turns this corner and like this nine-foot beautiful being is standing there. Well, that doesn't sound beautiful to me. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> so I remember like telling angels, I'm like, I don't know if I want to see you. Here's the thing. I don't want to get too into this because I'm not the subject matter expert on this. I'm not, but it's like we create a reality. So I kept saying, I don't want to see, I don't want to see, I don't want to see because I was scared. And now here I am. Clairvoyance is like the trickiest thing for me in the world. I've kind of created this reality. But the truth is, anytime I said I didn't want to see something, I didn't get, I didn't see it. The world of spirit responds to us very much, right? So you get to kind of choose, but you might want to look at something. I wish I had a specific here if it was like ghosts, ancestors, like I'm not sure what you're worried about seeing, but I would look at that and be like, why? Like what version of me is fearful of that? Is there an opportunity here for me to look at this and like heal this? And maybe here's the truth too, in stepping through so much fear in my life, I have come to know within my own lived experience that worrying about the thing and experiencing the thing are two totally different experiences. And I'll tell you, worrying about the thing is way worse than when the thing you're worried about happens. Truthfully. And I'll use refunds as an example. The whole career, if it doesn't work, what if I have to give their money back? Da, 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 da. And you try to control every situation so that thing doesn't happen. And then it happens and you're like, well, fuck, I'm still alive. <laughs> like, I'm perfectly fine. Nothing has changed. And so all those years of that pain and that fear were worse than the thing actually happening. So there's that too. I will tell you, I have seen full body apparitions with my naked eyes. How many times? Two for sure that stand out. I don't know why I can't remember the third one off the top of my head. So I'm just going to see two right now. And they were scary. I remember hitting my husband. I'm like, oh my God, there's a boy next to you. This was before I was a medium. And he was there the whole time and it was really scary. So then when I became a medium, I just said, okay, can I feel you? Can I hear you? And that's how they've shown up for me. So I think you have a lot more control about your experiences than you might think at this moment. You're all good. You'll be alive. You'll be good. Keep walking through fear. Okay. I love this question. Somebody said, as a spiritual entrepreneur, did spirit lead you or help you with your business? Guided you to content, how to market, et cetera. To some extent, yes, I definitely believe this. And I try to be as practical as possible. People know this about me. I love being practical. I'm a Virgo. Got a lot of earth in my chart. I just, I love it. But I will say, I have a quote. 
spirit is my agent. Spirit is my algorithm. A thousand percent. I think spirit kind of like holds me up quite a bit. And then I still have to take my human steps to like make things happen. A lot of things. Okay. But there have been times I'm like, give you some solid examples, marketing and stuff. You know, Jonathan, the medium, he does readings for me a couple of times a year. I love him. He's just so amazing. And he is always shocked. He's like, you have so many business vibes. Like, I think you're meant to do something really big with spheres. Cool. Because you are so supported in your business. He's like, I've never seen someone with so many business guides. But I think what I'm trying to create with Spirit School might be something bigger than me, bigger than Squamish Media, right? So I do have a lot of support with that. But here's some practical ways I can tell you how they have shown up for me, okay? So I remember even when I was doing a part time and I would look at the months ahead and I would look at when I wanted to book in things, I would just get intuitive hits. I would just be like, don't book anything that weekend. But then my logical mind would take over and I would be like, well, I mean, you got to pay for your development. I'm like, this is the money for your development. So just like slip it in there. 10 out of 10 times, something would come up that weekend that I would have to reschedule on everyone and move everyone. I had nowhere to move them. I learned to listen to that very closely because <laughs> that happens all the time to me, all the time. I could feel in a lot of ways, and that's a lot of it, my higher self and my spirit as well. But I also get the sense a lot of it is the world of spirit as well. There's also some clients I've taken on out of better judgment that didn't end up being amazing. There are things that I launched that I could tell I wasn't getting energetically supported by that didn't sell. But this is how we get closer to that guidance is sometimes we have to get it wrong. Sometimes we have to go against what our intuition is saying and what we feel inspired by to see it kind of like flop so that we get closer to being like, okay, now I can definitely feel a bit more confident when this comes in. But absolutely. And the truth is, too, I believe every student I have, whether they're in the collective, the initiation, the podcast, and you guys hear me talk about this in my spirit messages, I know that spirit is guiding people to me. And so every single student I get is like, I know that their spirit guides trust me with their people, right? Like there's so many different people that you can look at. It's not saturated. I would never say that, but there's a lot of people out there with the podcast. Why would people be drawn to mind? I think that our spirit guides are helping guide us to our teachers, to our peers, to students. So yes, I absolutely believe that they do. But do they say, hey, post this meme tomorrow? No, well, I don't think so. I don't think that they're that attached to that type of stuff, but they will say things like, oh, why are you hiding? Why aren't you talking? Right? And whether I choose to do Instagram live or live in my membership or whatever is kind of up to me but I do feel nudges sometimes when I need to be seen or if they want me to not get too comfy not being seen so there are things that I definitely feel guided to and all of this just has to do with our own language of the soul right it's understanding our own language of spirit that can take the longest right because it's trial and error and the truth of the matter is you could line up 10 mediums, 10 intuitives who pick up the same thing and you'll get 10 different explanations on how they got there. That's how unique the language of spirit is and how unique the language of our soul is. So it's all about like you and your connection and test it out with them if you want to see how they support you in your business. How I first discovered this, I remember 
being freaked out by wait lists. And there were too much pressure for me to keep a wait list. So I would ask my sphere team saying, I just want six next month, not seven, not five, six. And I would get six every time I asked. And I knew that I was being supported within that as well by the spirit world. So I have lots of evidence, I feel, in my life that they are supporting me. And then let me go back a little bit to the marketing because they're bringing in this example. I have the initiation. I have the initiation, but I felt like there was something else. I'm like, I feel like there's something else here. But I just couldn't get clarity on it in any way, shape, or form. And I felt the intuitive pull for my own soul to go to the water. So I went on my paddleboard, my favorite thing. While I was there, it dropped down like a bolt of lightning from the spirit realms. And it was the calling, answering the call to serve spirit. And it was a business program. In that way, I did feel very supported. And I ran it a couple of times, but that was like, I don't know if you want to call that marketing, but that kind of happened. And that was kind of cool too. So yeah, I do believe that. What do you do when you're receiving messages and you're not giving a reading? For example, I'll be in a new place or space and start to feel a present clairsentiently. And it's not scary at all, but I don't know what to do with that information or even how to decipher the messages. I definitely wouldn't go do like readings in that way unless you really knew how to decipher messages and stuff like that. You'll definitely want to wait until you're in a place of feeling really confident in what you're doing. So definitely wait for that moment because I see people out there doing it really successfully and like in their integrity. I call them drive-by readings to be cheeky, okay? I'm just being cheeky when I say that, but that's the best way I can describe it. And I've seen people do really well with that. Now, for me personally, I have a lived experience where somebody gave me a drive-by reading and it wasn't fun and it wasn't good. It was awkward. It was uncomfortable. It made me feel bad. Nothing positive came out of that experience for me. Or for them, I'm pretty sure, because I couldn't validate anything. I was in a food trickling and I didn't enjoy that. So based off of that experience, decided I wasn't going to do that. And then as I started to become more trauma-informed and trauma-aware through mediumship, I realized that that's actually not a really positive thing to do because we really don't know where people are at in their levels of grace. I have done readings where people have not one heard from the person that I was bringing through because of unhealed past trauma around it, right? So we just never know where people are at with it. So here's a couple things. There's fear all around us all the time. Our guides are around us, ancestors, spirits around us all the time, but tuning into them is intention and awareness. So all you are is aware that there's a presence around you around that time. There's a few stories I have to share around this. So I remember being in a tire changing shop one day and I could just feel it so strongly this presence around me and I was talking to the spirit world and I was like look I don't do drop by readings I'm not going to do it if you want me to say something to her you have to get her to talk to me and I'm saying this in my mind right transfer of thought not a word of lie second later she looks at me and she starts talking about me <laughs> I think I'm still not doing it I'm still not doing it so that fear was for something else, but I literally asked the world of spirit to come and then same with like you know a while ago I knew that there was somebody who passed away in my town and I could see them and I could feel their presence. And it was way before people even knew that they passed. And I just said, send me your loved one and I will work for you. And I told this to the spirit who came to visit me. Lo and behold, their person was in my inbox within two months. They found me. So I let spirit work it out. I don't feel like it's my responsibility or an onus on me. 
I just give it to spirit and however they want me to serve or work, that will be how I serve and work. But yeah, I don't personally just drop messages. But there have been beautiful stories. I'm really good friends with Spirit Fluent and she picks up medical information and she will go up to somebody <laughs> and tell them, go for it. You do you. You do your best judgment. But that's how I would handle it. Now, I will say there was a time where Spirit would not let me do anything without saying something. And I don't share this too much because it only happened once and it happened in 2017. So very early on in my public mediumship path, right? Developed 2013, started working for the public in 2017. And I used to host these new moon circles and they were by invite only. Now, this was the first moon circle that I let anyone come. And I think there was about 20 people there. I mean, I'm Virgo, everything was listed out, like total agenda, like script, everything I was going to say, so nervous. And I felt the presence of spirit really strong. For me, I get heart palpitations. My throat starts to tighten. So it's a little like chest to throat experience. I get this like nervous feeling. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. It's like this overwhelming nervous feeling. That's how I know when spirit's around. And I remember saying, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this. And literally, I lost my sight. I could not see the paper because I kept trying to proceed. I'm like, I'm proceeding. I'm not doing this. And I had to look up and say what I had to say. And guess what happened? My worst nightmare. No one put their hand up. So here I am feeling like a total dope. First time opening up my circle, passing along this evidence with a message and not a single person put their hands up. I mean, I was humiliated. And I was like, see, this is why I don't do that. And lo and behold, when the circle ends, I had three people come up to me claiming it. So yeah, that was an experience. It's only happened once. So hopefully you're okay with my answers around that. You'll have to pick for yourself based off of your own values, your own lived experiences. But I do recommend, and I recommend this to all mediums, to get some trauma-informed training. And I've been saying this way before it was a buzzword. And right now it's very hostile. It's a very polarizing topic actually right now, which is kind of fascinating. But like I got trauma-informed like five, six years ago. And I do recommend it because if you are in a situation where you do trigger someone, you need to have a skill set on how to manage that and do some repair work around it, right? So if you do want to go around passing messages out in public, and John Edwards talked about this actually at his event on Sunday where he said he wanted to just remind people that even though things look like they're random on TV, they're not. By the time they speak to Teresa or Char, I think was the example that he was using, they will have signed waivers and given consent, right? That's trauma-informed care. Consent, right? Consent is so, so, so important. Even though look in the moment on TV, it's not in the moment. It's just for TV. Okay. Can you provide messages for people who are not at the sitting? For example, if your significant other does not believe in mediumship, can a message still be relayed to him? So there's this thing in demonstrations that they call an indirect messenger. So I think the person I've heard describe this best is Lindsay Moreno, like in her intro when she does intros, but she's like, you know, you have an opportunity here to pass along healing messages to the loved ones that aren't here with us today. Spirit may take that opportunity and I'm covered in shiver. So I feel like this is something we have to talk about, but you can become an indirect messenger, especially if you don't have a need for mediumship and somebody else, you know, does, and then their loved one comes through 
And then you get to go home and pass that on. That's called being an indirect messenger. But here's what I'll say too. I never tell my husband when his dad comes through. His dad came through very strong in a circle we did in the collective last week and brought through some really loving things. But my husband doesn't believe in the afterlife. He doesn't. And I'm not here to convince him otherwise. His beliefs bring him some sort of weird comfort. And so as long as it brings him comfort, you can believe what you want. But he wouldn't receive it. So it's nuanced. You have to kind of like judge it for yourself, like who you're going to share a message with. Sometimes when I am a medium, I'm a medium, but when I'm doing my mediumship and I say, you know, I feel like a lot of this is for dad, like sometimes spirit will come through and they'll keep talking about their, like, their dad who's alive. And all these things are like around them that happens actually somewhat commonly in my world. They have a choice to be able to pass that along. But before I go too far down that hole, I usually ask them like, your dad's open to receiving some information that might come through in some messages. They'll say yay or nay. And then I'll go a bit further. But if they say nay, then I might just like see what's relative to them instead of dad, right? So sometimes I'm just kind of like, it's an experience that kind of like unfolds. But yeah, I have seen that happen before. You'll know. And, you know, again, it's nuanced because every situation is going to be very different. So another one is that you can just lean into trust that if it comes through, that they would be open to receiving a message around it. But I have had experiences in sessions where I've leaned into that philosophy and it didn't budge anything. Like I did have somebody say, like, I don't want to hear from them. And I said, well, I have to trust because I'm not in charge here. Like spirits running the show like that. You would be ready on some level because they are coming today. And the truth is, I don't know whatever happened after that. And maybe they were ready. Maybe they weren't. But they were very upset that this one communicator came through. They did not want to hear from them at all. And that's happened to me a couple of times. Those are always uncomfortable. I don't know if that helped. But yeah indirect messenger. And then I have time for a couple more of these questions. Do you find that the presence of your spirit guides can help you connect better with spirit? I'm new to this and scatterbrain, so focus is difficult. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the first things that they teach in the initiation, which is getting connected to your mediumship guide, which Skylar held that role for me for a long time. And then a new guide got introduced many years in named Varaness, who helps me with my mediumship. And absolutely. And I would use Skylar in sessions and say, look, not picking up what they're putting down. Can you ask them to, because I didn't fully understand like, oh, I could just ask them. The thing about Skylar was, he was so accessible to me. I could jive with a spirit guide. I could get on board with that. Couldn't quite get to God, right? I could get to Skylar. And so I would use Skylar as like this intermediary for me. And then now more or less I'm doing direct spirit communication, but Skylar was like a really good gateway for me for that. And I still believe even though I speak directly to them, I know Skylar's done a lot of work up until that very moment and continues to do work that is unseen to me. And even when I refer to Skylar, my team knows I'm referring to Joseph and Baroness as well, because I have three that are with me pretty much all the time. But Skylar, I've been aware of my whole life. So it's almost like they're all called Skylar, <laughs> even though they all have different names. But yeah, that is part of the path for many people. And they're also mediums, like my first mentor who never messed with guides. Never. She never spoke about guides. She never talked about them in the mediumship context at all because she had a religion that was like, it's you and God. There's no intermediary. So she had her own set beliefs that we were kind of trained off of. But I had such deep experiences with spirit guides. I was like, oh my God, I can get on board with guides more than some things like living. You know what I mean? 
So yeah, hopefully that helps. Have you ever considered having Initiation 2.0 for people who have been doing mage greetings for years? I know you hate calling it advanced, but basically a course for taking our abilities to next level. Yeah, so I have a mediumship mastermind, which is exactly that. I don't talk about it because my membership always snags up those spots. So I run it continuously. We're wrapping up Thursday, this next cohort, and it's four months. And I just take six people at a time. And it's more for advancing specific need. Because that's the best way. I need to know exactly what's going on for you. So I can guide you through that. So that's through my masterminds. But the access is through the membership only just because they get first dibs on everything and they always take up all the spots. So I will be opening up another round for the next round, probably in October. I'm just trying to visualize how I want my schedule to be over Christmas and stuff like that. But yeah, that's my mediumship mastermind that I do. Is it possible to take on physical health systems from people that you know are sick? Yes, absolutely. If so, what is the purpose of this? Well, it's going to be teaching you energetic boundaries. That's for sure, right? Do you see that? Please tell me. You see that. That's what I was looking around for. was like a feather of some kind. I couldn't see anything with my physical eye. I was watching it and I'm trying to follow on camera and hear. And I couldn't see anything. Anyways, wild. And plus I'm covered with shivers as well. So I don't know. Let me go back. Anyways, so medical. Yes, absolutely. Tyler Henry actually talked about this a little bit on his new Netflix show. He's like, you know, we really actually don't know. Like it hasn't been deeply studied the physical effects that mediumship takes on people, right? So like today, what I had to do because I was feeling so overwhelmed and I was feeling so drained for a lot of different things. And I realized I was caring a lot about other people's things. And so I did this exercise that John Edwards actually just taught us on Sunday. And I thought it was brilliant where like I held this ball in front of me and I just moved everybody else's energy, anybody else's stuff in this ball and like released it. It was such a great technique. And so that's how I manage like, okay, whatever's not mine has to go in here and move on. But yeah, that's part of my abilities, Gail, as a clairsentient is I can sit in front of somebody and sometimes get a sense. Remember we did that exercise where I was like, where on my body hurts right now and you completely nailed it, right? That's clairsentient. So the shadow quality of clairsentience can be overwhelmed or taking on other people's stuff. I get headaches all the time and I know that they're not always mine. So yeah, what this is going to be showing you is how do I create energetic boundaries around myself so that I'm not taking on everyone's stuff. So one of those techniques is definitely to keep your aura in really tight, right? couple inches within yourself and then a lot of grounding cleansing work this is why i use lynn with the emotion code and ray for radiant vibes they're my cleansers you ever want curling with the sweeper i feel like they're my sweeper because too i think that we also have blind spots right so i can't get everything i don't think i can get everything so i sometimes hire other healers and i have them both on retainer every single month and i have for like a year or two that they help me with my energy cleaning too to me, this is just your sensitivities increasing too, right? So yeah, I think we can. I've talked myself into sicknesses before as well. So I think that there's a lot of the power of the mind around this as well that we want to be mindful of. If you guys ever read the book of, what was it called? Dying to Be Me by Anita Morgiano. Not in her book, but in her podcast that I used to listen to on Hey How, she did this incredible case study about these two people's charts. and. They told this young girl, you're fine, go on about your day. And then they told this man, I'm sorry, but you have cancer and it's terminal. 
And he ended up passing within six months. She went on to live for years, but her chart was the one that actually said she had terminal cancer and he was fine. And so she studies a lot of like near-death experiences and cases like this. And that one stuck with me so much. And I heard that one like six years ago. And it really brought through like the power of the mind because I've tested this on different headaches. I've wondered if I could think myself out of a headache before taking Advil. And I have been successful for it in a lot of different ways. So we have to be mindful when it comes to our physical experiences with all this around the thoughts as well. I'm glad we got to experience that spirit feather together. That was wild for me. Like I've seen things go through the camera and I've caught a lot of things on camera, but that like moved around behind and front and wild. That was so cool. I'm just going to answer this last one here, which says, what is the purpose of the veil? If spirit is supposedly to us to stay on our path, why is it difficult to communicate? So I don't know. I don't know if any of us know, but I do love this quote that I'm going to butcher. Maybe I should tell it as the story. So Father Richard Rohr, who's one of my favorite religious people in the whole world, if you don't know his work, he's phenomenal. He told the story about how within his church, he had a family that wanted him to come to a home visit after their second baby was born. So he went and there was a five-year-old son or six-year-old son, I think it was about a six-year-old son and a new baby there, right? And so the little boy kept saying, hey, can I spend some time with my little brother alone? And the parents were like, uh, no, I don't want you to smother the baby or make a mistake with the baby. It was like this little newborn baby. And Father Richard was like, well, just let him in. You know, we'll just listen in at the door. I'm sure everything will be fine. And the six-year-old boy goes in to see his newborn baby brother. And he says, quick, tell me where we came from. I'm starting to forget. Right? So then he says, why does God have us as babies come in without language? Because they hold the secrets of the universe. Well played, God. Well played. I don't think we're meant to know. So some things are always going to be a mystery and we have to remain in that space of holy awe. So we have our experiences. We try to understand them as best we can. We remain flexible in them because as we move through this world, we will continue to have experiences that expand what we think we know. Okay. And I used to have this belief and I used to say this all the time that I would say, I guess we know when we go, right? I don't have the answer right now, but when I die, for sure, all will be revealed. And I said this for years. And then out of nowhere, one day, I was talking to a client. I said, I don't know. We'll know when we go. And Skylar came in and said, do you? And I was like, no, don't do this to me. We must know when we go, right? All of this. And he said, why would we come back? So I don't know what the whole deal is with the afterlife. We forget the whole lived experience is like forgetting and remembering, right? We remember and then we forget and then we remember and then we forget. And there's so much beauty in that remembering. There's something so divine, so multi-purposed, so multifaceted that I don't think we can comprehend. And I don't think where we're at in our evolution of the lack of understanding of the brain and the real human experience, we're still so unkind to each other. We are not prepared for that type of information as a society. So we keep growing. We keep expanding. Our understanding of everything continues to expand. And one day, who knows? Maybe we'll know for sure.
But I love you guys. I think that's a really good place to end this session today. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. 52 people showed up. Like, that's incredible. Thank you for coming. And I announced it on my Instagram, but I'm going to start doing my lives in here instead of Instagram when I feel like it. Now, the only tricky thing is, is sometimes I don't know when I'm going to go live. I'm not always that organized. Sometimes I come live because I really just like feel inspired to, and I just kind of hop on and whoever sees it, sees it kind of thing. So just make sure your notifications are on if you do want to kind of catch me live, but know that even if you miss it, I will keep almost all the replays. Sometimes I'll just feel like it's not one that I should save for whatever reason, whoever was here meant to hear it, will hear it. But thank you for being here in Spear School. Thank you for keeping amazing conversations going and supporting one another. And I love you guys. And I hope that you have a great couple of days ahead, okay?